Hey everyone, welcome to the Communication Coach Podcast, where I'm going to help you to create successful change through powerful and honest conversations. I am your host, Nikki Perfect. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 64 of the Communication Coach. And today's title is Words Matter and Three Ways You Can Improve Your Conversation. And I have chosen this topic for this week's podcast because of a couple of things that have happened in my life over the last few weeks, but also because of something that happened quite in a public space to a celebrity here in the UK, a lady called Caroline Flack. I don't wish to go into the details or offer my opinion in any way, shape or form, but sadly she took her life and there was a lot of criticism away around how people used words and perceived unkindness towards her or unkindness towards her on both social media and in the mainstream press. So for those of you that are listening outside the UK, Caroline Flat was a presenter on a well-known program called Love Island. And she ended up leaving that role and forming some sort of, I think it would be safe to say, depression or certainly loneliness and and sadness around quite a lot of things that were going on in her life. And I don't know Caroline Flack, I'm not associated with her or her family or friends. And, you know, my thoughts are with all of them, of course, after what's happened. But what I wanted to look at today were words and how we use them, because I believe they're really important and that they really matter. And communication is about lots of different things. You can break it down into tone. You can break it into body language. You can break it into words. You can break it into how we empathize or how genuine we are. There are lots of things that make up the way that we communicate and conversation. But I believe words do matter. And I believe that we should use them wisely. Uh, And I use the word should there which is interesting because that's one of the examples that I wanted to give was the word should. So I'm going to rephrase that and say we could use them better because should is a very directional way of saying something. So when you tell somebody they should or shouldn't do something, what you're telling them is your opinion based on what you believe to be true. So you give them a direction to take. So if you change the word should to could, what happens is you allow choice. So if I say, let's take that example just there. I didn't actually mean to do that either. So you see how easy it is to use words that you don't mean to use. So let's take that, that example there. So I, I said you should. I, th- I believe words matter and you should think about the words that you use. So that's a direction. I'm giving you a direction, what I believe to be true, which is what I believe to be true, that words do matter. But it's very directional. Now depending on how I say that and the emphasis that goes with that, you will either hear it consciously or you'll hear it subconsciously. So if my tone was, you should do that. So there's a different way of saying it. If I say you should do that, again, my tone is very different and you can hear the difference that one's far more directional. But just that word should is I'm giving you my opinion and therefore a direction I believe is the one that you should take. Now, if I change that word should to could, see what happens. 
you could be more mindful of your language or the words that you use. You could be more mindful of the words that you choose. Now I'm giving you choice. So I'm still having my own opinion, but I'm giving you an option, which is your choice, which means you're in control. And as we know, human beings like to be in control. They like to be in control. They don't like to necessarily be told what to do, especially as adults. Well, in fact, as kids, we don't particularly like to be told what to do. But by using the word could, what I'm now giving you is choice. So I'm giving you my opinion, but you have choice. So it's up to you, really. So it's not a directional. So that's one example. So that I'm going to give you three ways you can improve your conversation. And the first one is by looking at words that you use that reflect what you believe to be true and are very directional. The other, another word like that is must. That must be really hard. Now, what we're generally doing is we're, we're probably in a situation. Let's take a situation where somebody's having a tough time. They've just got divorced. Let's just say they've got divorced and they're having to move house and they're having a bit of a tough time and finding it difficult to deal with. So we say to them, which is quite a natural response, which is that must be really tough for you. But the word must, I'm telling them how they should feel. Now, you probably don't even realize that you're doing that by using the word must. But think about it. If we think about it logically, you must. What does must mean? It's, it's us giving our opinion about how we're, we're perceiving that, that you feel. But we're not just saying... It sounds like you're having a tough time, which is, I think you're having a tough time. That's my opinion. I'm just checking in and reflecting back and making sure you're okay. We're again giving that directional of telling somebody how they feel. You must feel a specific way. And often we won't even pick up on that. Often when you're having a conversation with somebody else, they probably won't even think, well, actually, you're telling me how I feel. What I'm going to suggest is that there is another way which is to emotionally label that. And rather than telling somebody how they must feel, just emotionally label back what they're reflecting to you. So it sounds like you're having a tough time. Or I, c- I can hear you ha- you're having a tough time. Or, or you, seem, you seem like this is really bringing you down. So all I'm doing there is reflecting words back to them rather than telling them they must feel a particular way. And there's quite a few words like that. You need to. <laughs> I love that word, you need to, because that's really directional. And not only is it directional, but it's again based on what I believe to be true. So you need to do that. Okay. Now, sometimes there are times when we have to be quite directional. So if a child is about to run out into the street, there, you know, nobody is going to criticize you for saying, hey, you need to stop there. You need to look left and right because you're, you're trying to save their life you know, and give and give them a direction as a child. So again, what I'm just saying is that there is a different way, and especially in an adult-to-adult conversation, and bosses, you might find that you do this, or you might recognise this in your team leader, or you might recognise this in yourself as your parenting, or if you're a particular manager, when you say you need to do that. So that's based on our experience, and perhaps it's worked for us before. But we could change that, I believe, to have you considered... So rather than you need to do that, have you considered this? Or if you wanted to be more coaching and get them to engage their own brain to help them find a solution to their own problem, you could say, what else could you do? Or what could you do that would improve this? Or is there a way of improving it rather than you need to? 
but we're very quick with the way that we say sentences. And certainly I have found personally as I've got to know more about words and language, I'm very aware when somebody says to me, you need to do something. And if you're having an emotional conversation with somebody and you use those words, they are likely to pick up on it and you are likely to get back, don't tell me what I need to do or don't tell me what to do because you've used that, that phrase. So think about the words that you're using, the should, need to, or I want, because they all come at life from your own personal point of view, and that is a conversation about you. And sometimes we're not even aware that we do it. I remember very early on in my negotiation days talking to a young girl who was up a tree with a noose around her neck. And I was making no progress with her whatsoever. Um, in fact, it, I was so wrapped up in what I thought would work and, and how to do stuff that I wasn't able to engage with her. And sometimes, you, you, I always find you learn the most from the, the things that you're not great at. So I learned lots of lessons from, well, in fact, I learned lessons from all of my negotiations. And when I reflect still on every conversation that I have, I, I learn a lesson from it. But I've really found in that conversation that I wanted to show her that I empathised with her. And I remember her saying to me, nobody cares about me. And the first words that tripped out of my mouth were, I care about you. And immediately I got the retort back of, how can you possibly care about me? You don't even know me. And then another way we might say that, which is a bit harsher, is... Of course there's people that care about you. Because sometimes it's hard for us to understand that somebody might be feeling so isolated and so alone that they can't see that there are people that might care about them. And so they have it in their minds that nobody in the world cares about me. So when you challenge that belief with what you believe to be true, which is, well, I, I, I do care about you, people will push back on that because the words that you're using are not actually showing that there are people that care about them. It's just your opinion. So a different way of getting around that would be to say something like, you sound very lonely or you sound very isolated. And by doing that, what you're showing them is that you're recognising how they're feeling by the words that they're using. And when we do that, we build rapport and trust a, a lot quicker. And when we build rapport and trust a lot quicker, we're able to deepen that relationship and take it to the next level and not just have those safe conversations. I'm not saying necessarily that you want to do this all the time, but sometimes when people are in, in mini crises or big crises, I said mini crisis, sorry, that, that's a, I'm going to take that completely back because when you're in a crisis, you don't classify it as a mini crisis. You're in a crisis and that can be... a, a anything an everyday thing running late for school you know going for a divorce a loss of a friend all sorts of things we all have crises in our life on a regular basis and, and deal with them in a different way all of the time and sometimes when people are going through their crisis they don't want to hear what you believe because they want to help themselves to understand what's going on and help themselves to come back from an emotional conversation to a logical one so by placing our opinion on things, especially when someone's in an emotional state, you're more likely to get that pushback again 
and keep them in the emotional state rather than bringing them back to logic. So be mindful about how you would address that. So that so that's two ways so far. So look at the words that you're using and then look at how you use the words I understand or I care about you or somebody must care about you when somebody's feeling flat or or giving them your your opinion which includes if somebody tells you that they're ill letting them know that your aunt Mabel had the same disease 10 years ago because <laughs> not everybody wants to hear that and we're very quick to draw the conversation back to ourselves and something we feel comfortable with whereas if we stay in the moment and stay in the present with that person right there right then not offering any opinion but just letting them be and letting them work through their conversation and not directing it onto us it has a far greater impact a far greater impact and people feel naturally more inclined to carry on talking because they feel that they're being listened to so that's number two and the third way is being genuine so often we find ourselves following along with the crowd or trying to be someone we're not really because we want to make an impression or you know trying to get a cheap laugh at somebody else's expense and <laughs> we've all been guilty of again that's a sweeping statement I have very much been guilty of doing that before I know that and not thinking about the words that you use that might have an impact on somebody else so when you're genuine and you're in the moment with somebody and you're just there being present what happens is something amazing happens is that you allow that person you almost the permission and I use the word permission not in a strong sense but it allows that other person to open up and to share far more with you than they would do if they don't think you're genuine and we all mess up sometimes all of us I'd love to sit here and tell you that I've got this nailed and that <laughs> I know how to talk to people regular because I don't and I think about times I can think about times over the last few weeks when something's happened at work or a customer or something's happened in my private life and I give an emotional response rather than a logical one and the words I use are not great. I work really hard, really hard every day to practice to make sure that I am present with people. And sometimes when I find myself wandering off, I'll bring myself back into the moment to be with them. Um, and you can do this in text messages and emails because it's the, it has the same impact. So... I know over the last... I'm going to give you some examples whereby this might have helped. Somebody offering an email or a social media post or in a conversation. So I had a long conversation uh, with a friend of mine the other day who sadly lost her seven-year-old daughter coming up for the two-year anniversary. And she shared a lot of how sometimes people don't listen to what she's saying that they're very quick to offer an opinion um that opinion might be i'm going to take it to an extreme example of you really should be moving on now and getting over this i think sometimes we're very quick to offer our opinion even when it's not needed or wanted because we like to feel valued you know we like to offer value to other people's lives as well so that was a really interesting conversation and uh 
fingers I'm just touching the table here because it's made of wood but uh, fingers crossed she's gonna has agreed to come and give an interview on the podcast around listening to people dealing with grief which would be great really looking forward to that another one is a mentor of mine put out a social media post which got a massive reaction probably I don't think he he meant in any way shape well I know he didn't mean in any way shape form to upset or offend anybody but just a couple of words that he used in a sentence very interesting and caused a big reaction so sometimes we just post things out and not realizing what the impact those words might have on other people and then the example of Caroline Flat with all the social media, all the words that have been used, how easy it is for us to be aggressive in language. I was standing at a meeting the other day. Um, all, you know, all, we're all supposed to be reasonable adults listening, making decisions about something. And the gentleman next to me said very loudly under his breath, well, certainly loud enough that I could hear, and I was standing a few metres away, away shut up you fat twat i'm sorry to use that offensive language in the podcast i'm just using it for an example i thought gosh you know that that negative angry emotional way of you you can tell where his thought processes were and what his feelings were very emotive and very emotional language and then the other thing is you know the words that we say especially around our children that has an impact because they are just a reflection of us and they reflect the language that we use towards them and the way we are towards them. And I really learned that from Megan at an early age. I realized that whatever I gave to her during the day, she would reflect back. So think about those things. Think about the words that you use and how important they might be. And perhaps if you do use words like you should you must, you need to. And in what scenario do you use them? And then think about who is that actually about? Is that about the person I'm talking to or is that about me and my opinion? And then think about how you give your opinion to somebody else. That Do you find yourself, uh, let's do that nice simple one of somebody telling you they've got a cold and us reflecting back, oh yeah, loads of people had that, the kids had that last week. So what we're doing is we're sharing and we're trying to show empathy, but I'm going to suggest there's a different way of doing it because what we're actually doing is taking the conversation back onto us. So we could just say, gosh, it sounds like you've had a, a, t- a, a tough time over the last week with that cold. Or how are you now? So keeping it on them rather than moving it away from them. So that's point number two. And, and point number three really is about thinking of the language that we use towards each other and how that can be perceived by somebody and you might not even know that somebody is perceiving it because we all view words in a different way and yes you could absolutely overanalyze everything that we say or do and I'm not talking about that I guess it's just about being present for me it's about being kinder and it's about looking at the world not just through your lens but through somebody else's. I hope you found this useful. Please let me know any comments or thoughts. I look forward to speaking to you soon and I hope you have a great week. Hey everybody, Nikki again. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast and thank you for joining me. You can find me on social media at Nikki Coms Coach at Twitter 
and The Communication Coach on Facebook and thecommunicationcoach.co.uk. Please like, share and review and I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you.